0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: Wait, are you
0: gaming? On a Chromebook?
1: Yep. It's got a high res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere.
0: Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah. I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Go ahead, it down Discover low. the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook.
1: Please help us. We need you please, without Allison. Please help us. We are without
0: a paddle up here. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Too Many Men. We are without our superstar, Allison Lucan, today. She has so much exciting Things in the works and then we all saw the outpouring of goals last night and we will get to that and we'll get her take eventually but for now me and Shayna are twinning right now with our too many men hoodies where you can get them where shana
1: um i should have studied this fucking
0: way <laughs> i know i'm it's- already putting you
1: on the spot it's, it's like, I don't know why the link is so hard because there's so many dashes. But just go to our Twitter, two underscore much underscore man. And either go to our website from there or just look at any of our tweets where we're talking about our merch. And we'll make sure to link it in the show notes. Jeremy, producer Jeremy, please help us. We need you <laughs> please, without Allison. Please
0: help us. We are without a paddle out here. We're trying our best, though. We were up. Some of us were up all night because our Spotify wraps came out. And we thought it'd be fun to kind of go over... I don't know, our top five songs. Shayna, what were your top five songs of 2022?
1: My top five songs of 2022. We need like a bit of news drum roll, I feel like.
0: (laughs) A sad (laughs) trombone, because mine
1: are pretty sad. Yeah, mine are kind of surprising. I have two Angel Dust songs. I have like Bang My Drum and Big Ass Love. I have The Weeknd on here twice. And I have a Phoebe Bridges song. Like, I'm very... This is not what I anticipated for my top five songs. Me either.
0: You had an amazing... Like, you just have a great sense of music. Like, I always look at your playlist whenever I want to find some new stuff. So look at Shayna's playlist, people.
1: What was your number one song? (laughs) It's Bang My Drum by Angel Dust. And it's funny, like, when... It's just music I listen to and I sew and I write. Like, if we do anything and we have, like... You know, you're playing a speaker while, like, we're all hanging out. I don't use my phone. I use Rich's phone. So his is filled with, like... Japanese dance music, K-pop, in <laughs> sync, like the most random shit for like someone you wouldn't expect. And now he listens to that stuff too, like regularly.
0: It's addicting, you've gotten me into K-pop and things hyper-pop, I guess you'd call it too. Yeah. I really like it. It's really good for ADHD brains, which I think we both kind of have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my number one, have you ever heard the song, God is a Freak by Peach PRC? I haven't. I was surprised. Yeah, it's really good. It reminds me of your music, kind of. Um, It's kind of this girl on TikTok. She's Australian. She's fucking hilarious, and she's an amazing singer. And it's a great song about like how she's gay and why would God care? And I don't want to go to heaven if He cares about that. But it's like more fun. I don't know. It's a good. (laughs) I don't know. It's all over the place. Um, then I got a lot of Taylor Swift. Bejeweled already made the top five. Cruel Summers oh my God, there. That's fast. I am really embarrassed. Zero to a hundred by Drake
1: is in my top five. Do, do you want to be cursed? Like, <laughs> are you trying to are you listening to him to try to understand the mindset? Are you trying to like get predictive values of who he's gonna bet on so you can go opposite him? Honestly, maybe. Or maybe the reason I had a crazy year it was because I was cursed by Drake. So maybe
0: I'll <laughs> lay low on that.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: <laughs> all right, before we get into everything that's gone on around the league, we have, do you want to do the honors this time?
1: No, no, this is all you. This is oh, your favorite <laughs> segment. <laughs> Biddle news. Okay, now I
0: picture the sound in my head. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, Rootway hints has signed an eight-year contract extension with the blazing hot Dallas Stars through the 2030-31 season. That makes me feel like time is moving really fast. Um, It is eight years, 8.45 million AAV. At first blush, I really love him. I think he's a great, fun player. And I think with the cap inevitably, I hope, rising, that's going to be aging well. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I like it. I I, like, we look at what top line centers make and he really is like, this is someone who I think will be in like the Selkie conversation, hopefully this year a little bit more like last year, he was kind of a fringe option for it, but he's such a good player. He's such an important part of that line. Like we talk about Joe Pavelski and Jason Robertson, but like he does all the little things too. And is so good defensively that I think it's a good uh, contract for him. It's just tough when you look at the stars payroll right now. And like, there's two forwards making more than him and they're not Jason Robertson. Who are they? Tyler Sagan. Jamie yeah. Ben and Tyler Sagan. And great, they're having a good they're having Jamie Ben's playing like the best hockey that he has in years this month, but like that's a lot of money that they're over nine million dollars.
0: When do their contracts end? Do we know Sagan and Ben?
1: Is it the same year? Um, no. <laughs> Sagan has two more years uh than Ben does, but Ben still has another three years. Like a few years ago when they signed all these contracts, I remember looking at Dallas and being like, that's an aging core. That is that is an aging core that they just went, we're going to lock them up through, like, the worst years of their careers. And sometimes you don't have a choice. But at least, like, with Hinson-Robertson, it feels like, and and they're getting it right. But those are, I, I, even if Ben has some resurgence this year, I don't think he's going to be that good the rest of the contract.
0: Yeah, I see both sides of this i do think it's worth it sometimes to know that you, you're gonna have to eat the last two years of someone's contract if they're gonna i mean nobody knew ben was gonna go off like that this season but i do think it's worth it if they make it to i don't know at least the conference finals i'm gonna say i, I feel like if they can get back and establish themselves while the young and the older players
1: are still there it kind of feels like it's worth it but only time will tell that's a good point i think For Sagan, I get it a little bit more because, like, he was playing center and, you know, was their best scorer at the time. With Ben, it's tough, like, the style of player, like, he takes a beating in front of the net. We know that doesn't age well. So I think he kind of, like, set a precedent to, like, general managers, like, be careful signing those types of players to those massive contracts. And, like, it'll be interesting to see how, like, Andres Lee and Chris Kreider age because that might be kind of telling, too, like, do we do teams continue giving players like that those huge huge contracts, or are those the ones that they try to stay away from?
0: Yeah, it's a tale as old as time. I think they're going to keep doing it, especially with the cap rising <laughs> and agents advocating for that. Um, I do think it reminds me of Jordan Stahl, too, the net front presence. He's a moose, and he was a top center, and he was really good at scoring when he was a kid. But what he's done is he's established other parts of his game as he's aged that have made more sense. So I do feel like... I don't know. I'd love to see a story from you or I know Namita has done some work on this. I don't know if it's public, but just about like how to keep like aging players engaged in the game or like when it just feels like lately there's been more older players that have had longevity because they've learned how to take care of themselves and stuff. So I'm wondering like... I want to see some research over the past 10 years of how that's changing, how players are taking care of themselves and changing their games. I know that like Justin Williams adjusted his place in the power play. you got to like not have an ego about it, right? Yeah. I know that even sometimes Stahl will take a face off during overtime and then just go to the bench. I, I feel <laughs> like putting the ego aside is the best option there.
1: Yeah, and it, like, it's good to know, like, we know already kind of what kind of players age better. We know power play production holds up better. We know volume shooters are better than snipers generally, and passers tend to age well. But it'd be really interesting to see how players are evolving and kind of measure that. Like, you think of Steven Stamkos, and we know him as an elite goal scorer, and he is. But, like, over the last few years, he brought playmaking into his game. So he's a volume shooter that ages well, a passer that ages well. And then now he's rounded out his game back in his own zone and, you know, stepping up as a leader. So... All of that brings the value and it's going to extend his career. So I'd like to see more of that too.
0: Speaking of voluminous shooting, is it time (laughs) to talk about the Kraken and the Kings game? Yes, we have to. It was like two in the morning. I felt like it was still going or I was still buzzing (laughs) from it. Um, The Kraken won 9-8 in overtime with Burakovsky scoring the game-winning goal. The last time a goaltender gave up eight goals in a win was February of 1991 and Kings coach Todd McClellan had a pretty interesting quote. It's a very, very confusing <laughs> night for all of us. Join the club. Um, I'm really disappointed that we gave up nine goals. Absolutely. But on the other side of the coin, I'm glad that we fought back, got a point, and scored eight. So it's a mass confusion right now for all of us. And we better freaking figure it out quickly. I mean, Okay. Jesus, I don't I don't know. That's what do you even say after a game like this? Um yeah, Martin Jones was in there, in the net, did not get pulled. He's there vibing. Um, the scoring was really spread out, and I do think the comeback was interesting. You wanna talk about the comeback?
1: Yeah, it was really interesting too. Like it was so back and forth, and then the crack and it felt like all right, they have a lead, eight-six. Like, I don't think any lead in this game was safe. Um, and it's interesting too, like the kings switched out their goalies in the crack and were like, no, no, we're going to vibe with Martin Jones. And then when they conceded those two goals in the third period, it was like, did you just fuck up? Like, you have Grubauer there. This isn't the second half of a back-to-back. And, I mean, Jones the last two games before that, like, you know, kind of slipped two after playing really well. So I was a little surprised they didn't switch him out. And then when the Kings did come back to force overtime, I wonder how much the coaches were looking at it. Like, did we screw up here? Should we have switched out goalie sooner? Like... In a game like this, it's so fucking unpredictable. Like, what do you do?
0: Right. And I guess at the end of it, now that they kept him in, they can obviously feel good about it. But it's still you gave up eight goals. So I don't know. It's tough to be confident about that one. But the other guy gave up nine. So or no, the other team did. So I don't know. That is one of those games that i just like to see more of. I don't think we even have to really analyze it, but it's just so much fun. And that's kind of the love of the game for me, right? Where it's like crazy things that you would never have predicted happened. Allison was outstanding on TV, dissecting it all. I thought that was one of her best TV performances I've ever seen from her.
1: Yeah, I agree. Because like a game like that, like, what are you going to say? Like, it's unpredictable. It's chaotic. We're all just having fun with it. And I liked her approach to trying to explain the chaos, which is something she's really good at.
0: Especially to kind of new fans of a sport, I think she's a very important voice there and they're really great. I hope she's getting yeah. some sleep today, but probably not because Seahack's coming up.
1: Yep, and we'll have her talk about that on Monday and all the amazing presentations there. Are the Kraken legit right now? It's really tough. They're just so different from last year. Like they're still good defensively. Now they're good offensively, they have goal support and they've gotten goaltending. Do I think the goaltending holds up for Martin Jones? No, I will never trust Martin Jones ever, I'm sorry. And that's three straight bad games. So Grubauer like in his little bit of playing time is starting to trend up. He had a really shitty first game which is weighing down his numbers. So if he can keep it together and the goaltending can be average, I don't see why this team can't just like spice it up a little bit in the Pacific and another division maybe not. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I kind of think they are. I don't know. There's something about a young star. I mean, I know Zegris is doing well, but the Ducks aren't. But there is something to me about a young star. And I do think everybody, including myself, needs to pay more attention to the number two overall pick from 2021, Maddie Beniers. I used to call him Maddie Bene. Like, I had this French accent until I realized that he grew up down the street from me in Boston. So <laughs> I don't think he's French. Sorry, Maddie. I will not misnationalize you again but he is heating up um he has nine goals and 20 points in 22 career games and even the best rookies I mean aside from like Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid take a while to heat up they have that like will they won't they and I mean I guess Maddie is really heating up right now but I think he's been pretty consistent and I think it is pacing the Kraken and kind of giving them something to play for
1: Yeah, and I think it's fine that you thought he was French as uh, Justin Herbert, uh, me and Rich called Justin Air Bear because we were watching (laughs) tennis and we were calling this tennis player Herbert because we didn't know his name was actually Air Bear because he's French. So then like that night we were watching the Chargers and now we call him Air Bear and we'll be talking to people and they're like, who? Who are you talking <laughs> about? Like, every time. But no, I think his his emergence is really fun because we look at the Kraken last year and they had, like, a lot of injuries. You know, like, Tanev was hurt and I think Schwartz missed time with injury, too. So, like, it obviously hurt their offense and then Matty Beniers came in so late, but now they have this, like, rising star in him. They have a healthier forward group. They have reinforcements from guys like Burkovsky and Bjorkstrand who are good additions. So, it's like, they're really creating offense together and then Like, Veneers has the support. So if he has an off night, it's not as, like, glaring because there's so many different contributors there. And I hope that we get to see that from Shane Wright in the future, too. Like, it'll be nice. But I think the important thing to remember with the two of them... Is that like, even if they're both top prospects and they're both, you know, drafted in the same like range as each other, same positions, like how different a player's path can be? And, you know, like everyone, there's no like cookie cutter path that you have to take if you're like a top five pick and you happen to be a center. So I think in the long run, this is going to be really good for them.
0: Exactly. I think it's good asset management. I mean, it's easy to say, but I do think they aren't applying the same philosophy to each of their picks. So I think yep. that. That's good for them. Yep. And other news, I mean, I guess similar news, teams are blowing two-plus goal leads more this season. Can we talk about that for a second? Yeah. So as of
1: uh, Tuesday, before Tuesday night's games, there were 299 instances of teams being up by at least two goals in a game, and 15.7% of the time, teams have... Blown that lead and lost the game. It's actually changed the result. And like normally, the most we've seen in the last 10 years is, you know, 13.5% of the time. So maybe this will normalize as the year continues on. But it's interesting to see, like, with the rise of goal scoring, how this is happening and which teams are doing it. It's, you know, the Bruins and the Devils are the most efficient. Teams like the Blackhawks, they have four comeback wins. They also have been trailing by two goals at least 14 times. So it's a little bit different. And then when you look at who's blowing it, the funniest part is the Canucks have been ahead by two goals 14 times and seven times they've blown it. And a lot of that came from like their early season struggles, but it happened last week against Vegas. Meanwhile, teams like the Bruins, the Devils, the Stars, Islanders, Jets, Senators and Canadians, anytime they've led by two or more goals, haven't blown the lead to lose the game. They might have blown the lead, but they didn't lose the game ultimately.
0: What do you make of this? Because I saw somebody say the other day that they think it's because goaltending isn't what it used to be. I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. I I think it might be a little column A, column B. What do you think?
1: I think it's more about the goal scores than the goaltending. I think it's just teams are more creative. And when, like we see it when teams are down in games, maybe that's when they're going to give like, you know, more creative players a little bit more leash to just do anything. And it gets a little bit more chaotic. And I think the other thing too is, teams tend to get into a defensive shell when they're in the lead, and I think there's something to risk management, but I also think there's something to avoiding being too one-dimensional. If you're only playing defense, like that That's all you're doing. If you're playing offense, you're now forcing your opponent to play defense, and then they can't create offense. So I do think there's something to seeing like what's the best and the most sustainable way to defend a lead in a game, and maybe we need to be a little bit more creative with and a little bit more aggressive because we're seeing the Rangers are a perfect example of it against the Oilers. They were good for two periods, and then the third period, they're up 3-0, and they were on their heels thinking we're just going to go into a shell and not create offense, and it burned them.
0: Do you think this is something that, as the season goes on, though, people are going to adapt to more? or no stopping the young fast
1: kids. That's a good question. It really depends on how much coaches are willing to like adjust their tactics and adapt on the fly to this. Like if they're willing to, then I think that we'll see this kind of slow down. I could see a team like Boston and even New Jersey like keeping it up. Um it seems like they're trying to do whatever they can, but like will a team like Vancouver change their strategies and their risk management in games that they're leading? Like I don't know how if they can. I don't know if they're good enough to do it.
0: Yeah. Sometimes like we can change. I see this a lot with power play arguments when people are upset that a power play is bad. It's like, no, PKs have gotten so cerebral too. And then there are adjustments you can make, but at a certain point, it's like all these coaches learn the same (laughs) things and it's what what is the caliber of the personnel?
1: Yeah. Like what coach is willing to change anything? You know, they might figure it's just a bad start, or it's after a back-to-back, and I think there's more to dive into, like how many times is it happening that it's the second half of a back-to-back, or how many times is it happening that it's off a bad change and you can just see that players look tired. Like, There's definitely more to dig into here, but I, I just am really wondering, how much we see this in the early goings of the season normally versus season-wide, because in the spring, things might tighten up and we don't see this happen as much. So it's something just to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, I love when the patterns kind of arise after American Thanksgiving. You can kind of see what is going on in the league this year. A lot of streaks, too. So we'll talk about those. But first, a new style rankings debuted today, and there were a few honorable mentions. I don't know if you guys saw... Is Genny Malkin's son Nikita at his thousandth game <laughs> celebration, but he got a suit custom made from Gentlemen's Playbook. I don't know if you guys know Gentlemen's Playbook. They're must follow on Instagram. They do a lot of NBA, MLB, and NHL custom suits. The guy has a his name's Tom. He's a really interesting story. He was, I think he did something on Wall Street, and then he just decided like to teach himself how to be a tailor, and he did it. And now he just makes these sick custom suits for guys and for Nikita Malkin. <laughs> it's, it's so adorable. cute. It's so cute. The cutest. And then we've got... I went back and forth. I'm like, should I let JT Brown be a part of the actual rankings or should I stick to my guns? And I'm like, I have to stick to my guns on this one. As much as he's taking everybody to school with all yep. of his looks, I just put him as an honorable mention because I don't want to mess with the algorithm when we do it at the end of the year and say like who had the best the top 10 or whatever it is for the whole year but he you guys have to check out his hockey fight cancer suit there's so many details the adidas brighter purple shoes I'm loving like the two-tone color look lately have you been seeing that in the league lately
1: yeah and I I love that I love two-tone purple as I was literally just shopping for Nike blazers that were two-tone purple um because I was trying to figure out like what I want for Hanukkah and like I only know shoes so uh very here for that it's bold it's interesting it's like I think purple is a fun color that we need to see more of and I think just like the way it fit like everything about it was perfect so I want to see more players take notes from JT on how to how to dress
0: absolutely he's and Lexi his wife has definitely yep. helped in that aspect but he is great with a theme he's great off theme it's like every week this man brings the heat and it's funny because a lot of people in the media joke around i at least i hope that they're joking that they should we should do a media version of this i'm like jt would take us all to the cleaners every day but that's it for the honorable mentions <laughs> if you want to see the actual list just I've, I've tweeted it out it's on br open Eyes. so come through
1: Yeah, good luck, because there's some really good fits from people like Yanni Gord, who's quietly always crushing it, and Cole Caulfield, and we love the style King K. Andre Miller. Oh, he's a perennial. Folks, we
0: unfortunately have a really horrible bit of breaking news that happened during this podcast recording. Um, Wednesday, the Penguins announced that defenseman Chris Latang is out indefinitely after suffering a stroke on Monday. The team says he is not experiencing any lasting effects and will continue to undergo tests over the next week. He reported symptoms on Monday. You might recall that he also had a stroke when he was 26 in 2014, and he's become an advocate for testing and awareness ever since. Um... Tests at that time showed Lating has had a very small hole in the wall of his heart since birth called a PFO, and it's possible the defect could have led to the stroke. Um, and he said at that time, I hope that by making my condition public, I can help other people by encouraging them to seek medical help if they experience some of the general symptoms associated with the stroke, regardless of their age or general health. So everybody be aware of the stroke symptoms and don't be afraid to ask for help or, and take yourself seriously. Cause if Chris Latane can get one, anybody can get one that absolutely sucks. Um, I am so happy there's no lasting sin- symptoms and we send
1: him our condolences, but hope for a speedy recovery. Yep. Absolutely. It's, uh, really important. You know, they're saying there's no, they don't think there's anything career threatening, which that's important. But more importantly, if he's going to be perfectly capable of playing hockey. He should be able to have like as normal of life without any lasting effects, which is so important.
0: Yeah, exactly. Last time he was, not that this matters at all and his life is more important than anything, but it did say he was out for six weeks last time. So I do think there could be a future for him. I hope no matter yeah. what, he's just taking care of himself. And that reminds everybody to get checked for these things early when you have even the slightest symptom. Oh, God, that sucks.
1: Yeah, that's 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 so tough. And he handles it really well in the public eye, which i sure is not easy either. So just all the best to him and his family.
0: Yep, I'm glad he has the support of the Penguins faithful. What a great fan base. And the big
1: three are still together. So that's at least nice, but sending good yep. vibes to him. Yeah, agreed. Now for things not so nice. We've been... We haven't had to do this recently as often because, like, it feels like people are trying not to piss us off this season. (laughs) They know. They know if they fuck up, they're going to land here, but we have a new addition. Yeah.
0: This was just, file this under weird and unnecessary comments that were really rude. Um, Boston Bruins play by play announcer Jack Edwards, who, I don't know, I'm not the first one to shit on Jack Edwards. Like, I do think, I, I get. Why fans of opposing teams and fans of the Bruins don't, he's not for everybody, but this, he's done some really like unacceptable things, and this is one of them. Um, On Tuesday night's Boston Bruins Lightning game, he made fun of Pat Maroon. He said, Listed at 238 pounds, that was day one of training camp, and I've got a feeling he's had a few more pizzas before then and now. And he also said, inadvertent fasting for Pat Maroon is like going four hours without a meal, but hey, three cups in a row, who can argue with his formula? Um, I don't think that's funny or fun. What, what are your immediate yeah. thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it's just, it's being an asshole for no reason. Like, you know, players are all built differently. Like, everyone's always taking jabs at, you know, Phil Kessel, and we've heard Fat Maroon and things like that. Meanwhile, like, he has three Stanley Cups. He's healthy enough to, like, he's healthy and an NHL player. Like, anybody else want to try to get on the ice and go, like, I think it's so easy for a commentator or anyone else to just, like, talk shit about a player, like anyone in the media. Like, get on the ice and go head-to-head with them and see how you fare. Like, it's just, it's fucked up. Like, there's no reason for it. If you want to say, like, Something about his size, like, I don't know. Talk about, like, he's he has a big frame and there's a good net front presence. Like, that's what you do in hockey. You don't need to talk about his eating habits.
0: I just also feel like the Bruins were winning. They've had an amazing season. It's not the playoffs or anything. There's not really need for commentary like this. I don't know. There's never a need for it. I know he calls himself whatever he calls himself, right? Like and he And he's one to yeah. joke around, but I think we should change the way we talk about weight and making fun of arguably overweight people i don't know i I just don't think that's nice for the folks at home listening to that at all
1: yeah there's no need for especially like you're on a broadcast that not only is being viewed in boston but it's like a a national broadcast that's going to be heard around the country and around you know canada and really around the world if people want to watch games like overseas like there's no need to just start dragging pat maroon for like No reason. There there really isn't. He's doing just fine. Absolutely. He got a lot.
0: Jack got a lot of pushback on this. So we'll just add to that and have him (laughs) on our shit list. But maybe he'll apologize. I don't know. Yeah. Folks, Pat Maroon has responded to Jack Edwards' comments in the best way he possibly could. He just tweeted, In support of those struggling with mental health, bullying, and body image, I am making a $2,000 donation in the name of Real Jack Edwards to Tampa Bay Thrives. Tampa Bay Thrives is a nonprofit assisting those struggling with mental health and substance abuse. If you want to help him and join that cause, look at his Twitter account, at at Pat Maroon. We at Too Many Men have decided to make a donation to NEDA, National Eating Disorder Association. Uh, As somebody who has gone through an eating disorder myself, they have helped me, and they're a great resource. And I highly recommend chipping in there if you're somebody that cares about this stuff. Um, and yeah, we know this isn't the most serious, horrible thing anybody's ever said, but you, you never know what's going on in somebody's life. You never know who watching that is, I don't know, the same height and weight as Pat and now feels horrible about themselves. It's just, just be nice. It costs $0 to be nice. Let's start our vibe check on teams in and out of playoff spots post Thanksgiving. Um, let's start with the Metro. Okay. The Isles and the Devils are leading the way. The Rangers and Washington are currently out. What are your quick thoughts on this?
1: I think the Devils are playing really well. And I'm obviously interested if they can sustain it. Goaltending is always going to be a question. I think the Islanders are underestimated. Yes, they're kind of flat in the first two periods of the game. We know that. And they come back, you know, they come to play in the third. But they have one of the best goalies in the league right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how other teams like force their way back into the mix like you know the penguins right now what are they going to do to keep themselves in the race and the canes i think are in a good position the rangers have work to do the rangers had a good first month and a shitty second month so they're probably somewhere in between that but it's going to be an uphill battle and the capitals have been dealt one of the shittiest hands the injuries have been tough uh darcy kemper has struggled a bit but like look at the team in front of them so they'll get the reinforcements but I won't be surprised. Like, someone's going to have to come out of the playoff mix from last year for the Islanders and Devils to both make it, and it wouldn't surprise me if it was the Capitals. I said it at the beginning of the year, and I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, as much
0: as the injuries have been brutal and to key players and, like, so many injuries, and now they're looking better that Oshie's back and they are turning it around, I don't know if it's going to be too late just because it is kind of an aging core, and they have a lot of slack to pick up on. They are trending in the right direction, but uh, I don't know. The Isles are terrifying me. I think they're going to easily make it into the playoffs. I think, obviously, the goalies, and then you've got offense that I feel like has come out of nowhere, and it's just interesting, right, because Lou did absolutely nothing (laughs) over the offseason, and it's kind of a reminder that, like, sometimes – Doing a big splash just to do a big splash is not the smartest thing, right?
1: Yeah, like, I think a big thing for them was seeing, like, the impact of a coaching change. And we can see, like, they're not as tight defensively, but they're making up for it with their offense. And last year is so tough to measure by because there were injuries. There was COVID outbreaks. Like, there were so many things working against the Islanders. And at the end of the year, they finally, like, found their footing. So seeing players pick up where they left off isn't surprising and you know if they can give wallstrom some more ice time he's definitely earning it that's going to be a step in the right direction and then i think to like legitimately contend this year they could add a middle six winger at the deadline and there's definitely going to be players available so if they can keep this up till then and then just sprinkle something in without necessarily breaking anything up like take advantage of the window they have which really is these next couple years and and then you know fuck the rest they've already moved so many assets so i say just like go pedal to the metal for it
0: absolutely i'm with you on that one all right let's pick one team to talk about from the atlantic
1: you go um okay we've talked about the maple leafs enough let's talk about the panthers they're three four and three in their last 10 their expected goals against is pretty rough right now and i know like they were dealing with injuries like right now Barkov's day-to-day and they were without ekblad um and they figured out their power play scoring and they have the five on five offense but it just feels like they need a little bit more in their own zone because the goaltending is not perfect like Spencer Knight's been fine and he's played a little bit more this season and Bobrovsky is you know fine like they're both fine but they're not what this team needs for the blue line that they have and you can play a style where your best defense is a really good offense but they still need to have like there's defensive skills necessary to be a good offensive team to maintain the puck and to consistently get it back from your opponent so it just they don't have that same comeback ability as years past like um the panthers have trailed by at least two goals eight times this season and zero times have they managed to come fully back enough to win games we saw it this month three different times i think it was against columbus calgary and i'm missing one team But it was three straight games where they tried to come back and they still fell short. So I think that's pretty important.
0: Is this goaltending or defense or both? Both. You think they should go all in for a Carlson? I don't know if he's going to help that much (laughs) defensively. He's going to (laughs) help offensively. But if you have the puck, you don't have to play
1: defense. Yep. I'm all for it. I think they should absolutely go for a defenseman. I don't know how they find the cap space, especially for someone like Carlson. But like they've committed, like the Islanders, they've committed to these couple of years. Just go for it. Bobrovsky for
0: Carlson. Who says no?
1: Oh, my God, everyone. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> mad. There's so many years. There's, what, four years left on the contract? Like, what are we doing here? All right, pick a team from a central that isn't Dallas. Wait, who do you have for the oh, Atlantic?
0: Oh, I was going to pick the Panthers, too. I think. I don't know. I can also pick Detroit. They're in a wild card spot. They're vibing. Um... I don't know what I expected. I expect them to be better than last year, but I didn't expect them to make the playoffs this year. And now I'm really excited. Um, Larkin is having a bit of a resurgence, if you want to call it that. Or maybe he's like having a back a call to relevance. He's got nine goals, 24 points, a plus nine in 21 games. Um, I do think, obviously, when a team is in a rebuild and is going through a brutal few years, you want to place the blame on the 1C. Um, People are wondering if he's the guy. Do we think he's looking like the guy now?
1: Yep, and I think he's going to get paid. This is why, like, if I were the Red Wings, I would have wanted to pay him last summer after they saw a bounce back year from him. And now that he's putting together two strong seasons in a row, you're like, oh, so this is like who you actually are in the one bad year before that was the outlier. Kubelik. It has been a great, is
0: that how you pronounce them? Kubelik. 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 (laughs) Kubelik has been a fantastic acquisition. He's got also nine goals and 22 points in 21 games.
1: I think this showcases kind of the right way to do a rebuild, right? Yeah, like, it. they were cautious with it, but they found these, like, low-risk players like Kubelik to add. They strengthened what hurt them last year, their defense and goaltending, and now, like, they're putting it together. And, like, they still could use a big piece up front, but it seems like they have the assets and they've been patient enough with this. And, I mean, I guess it worked out for them, like, that Kubelik got the ice time to show he could play at this level, like, with Bertuzzi and Verana out. But, you know, it, it's working for them.
0: The only thing I ask of them is for my bestie, my Norris pick that was out of left field for this year, Mo Sider. I I want him to be a little bit better. I think he has it in him. I do think he's kind of going through it. Um, He's been picking it up recently, but he is a minus 10, which is a kind of product of being on a young team and leading defenseman in ice time. I'm not sure if he actually does. I'm, I'm going to bet that he does. So
1: Yep. And he plays top competition.
0: Yeah. He plays top competition. And I think it's important that they don't shelter him and they're letting him, is this an appropriate raw dog, the NHL right now? No. <laughs> I
1: think he's going to figure it out.
0: So I'm with you. I still believe Mo.
1: Yep. And I'm very sorry for him that he keeps having to drag around his defensive partners. It was what Danny dekaiser last year? Now it's Ben Sherratt. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's not the easiest for him. That's a can of worms. Okay, pick one from the Central. Mm, let's go with the Stars, because I think that there's like something, like the Jets are in second place, but I look at the Stars, I'm like, there's a little bit more sustainability here because they have, before this, they were a top line and a number one defenseman and a starting goalie. Really good start, but, like, you need more than that. Otherwise, you're so thin. And now the Ben resurgence and, you know, players like Ty DeLandria and White Johnson are stepping up. And, you know, it's starting to come together. It's a little bit more cohesive of an effort. And you can see why they're surpassing a team like, say, Nashville, who has the building blocks, the elite winger, elite defenseman, elite goalie. But they're a little bit thin everywhere else.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do think their first line might be the best line in hockey
1: right now. Thoughts? I think I think you're right. Like, last year, they were pretty neck and neck with that top line in Calgary, but I feel like it's them this year so far. I want to see if they can, like, hold it up. They've been together for, what, a year and a half already, and they've been more, because we have a quarter, like, a year and three quarters, maybe? And they're crushing it, so. Alright. Moving on from the Central. Pacific. Pick one. Um, how about Edmonton? Edmonton's a Fine. wild card seed right now. <laughs> and... Like, when you want to talk about the Pacific, you have to, I think expectations are, like, the biggest conversation because who expects what of each team? And, like, Edmonton and even Calgary, you expect to be legitimate contenders right now based on all the moves they've made, all that they invested. And for Calgary, I mean, I'm sorry, for Edmonton, who they have up front, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. you should want to contend every year and... The defense is not good. The adjustments that were made at the end of last year when Woodcroft took over are not sticking as well. And the goaltending, what are we, how, how is it this chaotic always? So good fucking luck, America's team. You have a long road ahead. I know. I I think the Kane injury obviously hurt them, but it is
0: a matter of goaltending. And it's just like this tale as old as time with this team. It's just kind of, you can have everybody scoring 700 goals, but. We saw last night that some people are still going to lose nine eight. Like this is just kind of the league we're in right now, right? Where high octane offense simply isn't enough. It is necessary, but it's not enough. Like all these teams are so good. I don't know. It's just,
1: it's really frustrating in Edmonton as usual. It, it can't not be. Um, it it really can't not be. And then you look at the teams around them, like the kraken have that scoring depth that we've always talked about the oilers aren't getting the contributions from everyone and vegas kind of has like all of it put together if they can just keep channeling it the right way and you know the kings have some defensive structure so it's like there's things that like the oilers are that have that their opponents don't have but it's just that consistency and like if anyone figured figure it out i'm sure they could like them in calgary i think we all expect them to figure it out But it's just like really interesting to look at Vegas, Seattle, LA as the one, two, three right now. I
0: don't know if I have East Coast bias or it really is a strange division, but... No, it's a strange division, I think. Yeah, it really is. It's interesting. Like, I always think, what if? What if things were different? But that's not... That's life, baby. That's hockey, baby. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of John Forslund, let's, in honor of last night's Kraken win... And the most insane game in recent history. Let's do an FMK revolving around that. I'm going to have you go first. Shayna, are you ready? Yes. Fuck, marry, kill. A defensive clinic, a goalie duel,
1: or only offense, no vibes. Okay, I'm going to fuck only offense, no vibes. It's fun. It's exciting. Do I want that every single night? I'm not so sure because I do like goaltending and defense a bit more. um, So... I think those, I think what makes those games so much fun is that we don't get them every day. Like last night's game, we were all jumping around about like, oh my God, this is so exciting. We don't see that every day. And like, if we did, maybe we wouldn't enjoy it as much. I will kill a defensive clinic. I love defense. I love structure. I love all of that. But I think that, first of all, I hate how defense is talked about a lot of the times because if you go too traditional, like with it, there's no insight. It just can be a little bit bland. And those games like, you know, aren't always the most exciting and I will marry a goalie duel with a goalie duel. Like when I think of it, I'm thinking like one goalie's facing 40 shots, one goalie's facing 50 shots. It's like the tension is rising, like it's a zero-zero game, you're locked in, you wanna see one goal, who's gonna get beat? Like I think that can be so exciting because the teams generally, if it's not a game that's this like low event, 18 shots apiece, no one's generating anything. It's both teams are pressuring and you just have this like incredible battle. Like to me, that's one of the best kinds of hockey games.
0: Okay, that's fair. I, I do see the merit in all these, and I enjoy, like you said, if any of these happened every single game, we get bored of them. The beauty is that they're all capable of happening happening on any given night. I am going to marry a defensive clinic because I was a defense woman and I get a lot of joy out of the technical, boring little things on defense. And I just remember watching the David Ayers game with the Canes, and it was like it it wasn't. No offense to him, but it wasn't him being a good goalie. (laughs) It was them, like jump blocking shots and getting clearing the puck and doing everything they absolutely could to make sure the Maple Leafs didn't get shots on him. And it was just like one of the most intense, fascinating things to watch. I will, oof, fuck only offense because we're going fast, we're going hard, we're going fun. (laughs) Um, I am a fan of those games for sure. It's like something to talk about. It's something to feels like anything could happen. And I'm going to kill a goalie duel because the suspense kills me sometimes. And I have anxiety too much for that. One might say
1: that's completely and totally fair. Well, look at
0: us anyway. (laughs) Okay. That concludes our episode today. I hope we did okay without Alison. She will be back to discuss a ton of things shortly. So until then, We love you. We are hoping for a safe and speedy recovery from Chris Letang, and we are shaking our heads at Jack Edwards. Love
1: you. Bye.